Well, so we've been in the book of Hebrews <clears throat> since September 23rd. And uh, I gotta be honest, I've loved this series. It's been rich, it's been challenging. I've learned a ton as I've, as I've studied through it. I hope that you have learned a bunch as well. Um, and so let me just say how, how, what we're gonna, getting ready to do over the next couple months. Uh, this morning, as you know, we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna dive into uh, a few verses of chapter 10 of Hebrews. Then we're gonna jump into a few weeks of Christmas uh, Next week, obviously Christmas Eve, and then uh, the last Sunday of the, of the year, we're going to be doing one service at 11 o'clock, so one service only. And then we start a full-week series in January that I'm excited about, and we'll tell you more about that later. And then in February, we're going to jump back into Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to kind of break down some of the fun stories of faith that are in that book that are considered the hall of faith. And so lots of good stuff coming up. But Hebrews was written to Jewish Christians that um, came out of Judaism, became Christians. They embraced a a brand new faith. And as we've said, many of them uh, were persecuted. They were tortured, uh, even killed for embracing this this new faith, which was all about, all centered around uh, a man named Jesus who came and and claimed to be the son of God. And, and this man died for that claim. He, he was crucified. He was placed in a, in a borrowed tomb for three days. He rose from the dead three days later. And then he appeared to over 500 different people after he died. And so here we are now into, into the book of Hebrews, 30, 35 years later after the resurrection of Jesus. And these Hebrew Christians were beginning to drift back into, into Judaism. Some be, began to drift back into the world. Some, some were just drifting back into nothingness. And so throughout this book, the writer of Hebrews is pleading his case to these, to these Christians. He's telling them, listen, Jesus is the Messiah. Don't, don't give up on that. He's greater. He's greater than anything that you may be drifting back to. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than Abraham. He's greater than the prophets. He's greater than any priest that you may have known. Any high priest that has ever lived. Look at what he's already done in your lives by extending you grace that you didn't deserve, showing you mercy, giving you faith, filling you with his love. And he's saying, so hold on to this newfound faith. Don't don't leave, otherwise you're going to drift away. Drift away, fall away. I mean, it's it's really a theme that runs through the whole book. Matter of fact, there are six strong warnings given in the book of Hebrews about drifting away. And so it's a deal. It's a big deal. Well, what does that look like? What do people begin to drift away from? Well, <clears throat> they drift away from fellowship with Jesus. They, they drift away from intimacy with God. They drift away from community with other believers. They, they begin to fall away from, from the Christian faith. And they begin to settle for normal instead of greater. Now, some of you are going, wait, wait a minute. What do, you, what do you mean by normal? Well, somewhere along the way... A person that, that begins to drift away from Jesus, drift away from, from intimacy with God, and, and they begin to embrace um, thoughts, beliefs, habits, practices, ideas that are not necessarily true. Matter of fact, they're not even in the Bible, but somehow they have become connected to their Christianity. It may have been something that they have, were taught along the way or, or maybe just something that was caught they, they looked around after they came to Christ and they, they began to see others who were, who were embracing some of those same thoughts, beliefs, ha- habits, patterns, practices. And, 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 they, and they thought to themselves, well, I guess that must be normal, normal behavior for a Christian. 
This is normal. It may not be right, but this is normal. Well, what might that look like? Well, I want to give you a couple myths here. A couple myths about the Christian life that that are just have become kind of normal. All right. One is this, okay, is, is I can live the Christian life successfully in my own strength. Okay, that, that's a myth. It's, that's not true. Number two is, uh, this is a myth, following Jesus can be a part of my life, doesn't have to be all of my life. That's what we call compartmentalizing our faith. Okay, it's a myth. Number three, what happens in my life is just between God and me, no one else. Okay, I can be a Lone Ranger Christian. No. Okay, number four, okay, and this is going to shake a few of you up. The priority of the Christian life is to be in church on Sunday morning. In other words, somehow we've gotten this notion that the ultimate priority to God in terms of Christianity is church attendance. Now, here's a problem with the four, these four ideas that I just put up on the screen. Not one of them is biblical. They are all myths about the Christian life that have either been caught or taught. And unfortunately, they have become normal. They, they become normal. They become normal patterns of thinking and behavior for many Christians. It's become normal for American culture, American Christian culture. And apparently, it was becoming a new normal for these Hebrew believers because this is exactly what the writer of Hebrews is tackling in chapter 10. But here's the sad truth. Whether it's first century Christianity or 21st century Christianity, it all leads to the same place. A slow drift away from Jesus. A slow process of losing intimacy with God. A a gradual drift away from community with other believers. And then oftentimes just a quiet falling away from the faith. Well, This morning I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to Blow up some of, the, some of these myths in your own life, okay? I, I want to challenge you to blow them up in your family. I want to challenge you to go beyond your thinking of what is normal for you and to begin to embrace a greater way of living, a greater way of looking at the Christian life, a greater way of, of looking at your walk with Jesus. I want to challenge you to truly embrace greater than normal because here's the deal. Jesus didn't give his life for you and then raise from the dead to give you salvation and then to fill you with the Holy Spirit so that you could reduce following him down to self-sufficient, self-reliant, powerless Christianity. Listen, that may be normal in your life right now, but he died for greater for you. He, he didn't die for you. He didn't offer you salvation and then fill you with the Holy Spirit so that you could compartmentalize your faith. I mean, listen, he's, where, where all of a sudden he's just a piece of your life, maybe just a, just a slice of the pie. That may be normal for some, but he died for greater. He didn't, he didn't give his life so that you could isolate yourself from others, all right? Me and God, nobody else. I mean, we're kind of alone here. That may be normal for you, may be comfortable for you, but he died for greater for you. And I know this may be hard to hear for some of you, but listen, he did not come and give his life and, 
and, and, and then, you know, go to the grave, come back up, and then, and, then, and then fill us with the Holy Spirit after we've received salvation so that it could all just be about church attendance. I mean, that may be normal for, for American culture, but Jesus died for much, much, much more. He died for greater. Normal, normal will cause you to drift. Drift away. But greater will it cause you to experience the fullness, the joy, the peace, the hope, the love, the strength, the power that God wants to have with all of his children. So let's jump into Hebrews chapter 10 for a moment. Let's see what the writer says about that. All right. Verse 19, he says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God. Now, let me pause here for a moment, okay? Remember, these readers have have already read about how Jesus came to be a greater high priest and how he made a once and for all permanent sacrifice that would allow his followers to now have permanent access to the presence of God. If you remember a few weeks ago, I put up the temple up there. He removed the veil that covered the entrance to the Holy of Holies so that people like you, people like me, normal folks, could have confident, direct, personal access to God the Father. And then he tells them what to do so they won't fall away. Verse 22, he says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 23, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So I want to talk about how how do we toss normal aside? How do we toss normal aside for for what God really wants for us, which which I believe is greater? How, How can we avoid this drifting away? Well, the writer here, he gives us four phrases that all start with the words let us. And any time that you see these words let us, you need to know that, that those are commands that God is giving us. And we don't have like this, um, eh, maybe I'll do it, maybe I, no, no. It's, it's, it's obedience that God wants. And so when you see let us, God's going, this, I'm, this is what I want from you, okay? To be, you know, if you're my child, here's what we're gonna do here. First of all, he says, let us draw near, verse 22. Now, since the blood of Jesus has opened the way for us to confidently enter into the presence of God, then let us come with a heart that's full of faith in Jesus. Every day, let us draw near, let us lean in, believing with our whole being. What Jesus said in Matthew chapter 19, verse 26, where he said that, he says that humanly speaking, life is full of impossibilities, but with God, all things are possible. Humanly speaking, and I mean, Everywhere you turn, life is full of things that, that are just impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And I love those words, all things. Not just a few things, all things. All things are possible. That's greater thinking. That's, that's what Jesus can do. But when normal creeps in, what happens is, is we, go to, we quickly go to self-sufficient. God, God, thank you for doing that, but I got it now. I've got this God. I'm good. Or we go to self-reliant. I mean, thanks, God. appreciate the help. But from here on out, I'm just going to take it. I've, I've got it. You, you go do your thing. Help someone else. I got this. And, and so when I think about it, I'm like, why not? Why not? I mean, we're, we're Americans, right? Right? 
I mean, we're, we're, the, we're, we're the land of the free home of the brave. I mean, we are, we are the can-do, self-made, roll-up-your-sleeves, power-through, get-her-done people, right? I mean, that's who we are, right? I mean, that's normal for us. But when that kind of normal, that, that kind of mindset drifts into our walk with Jesus, what happens? We begin to drift. We begin to fall away. That's why verse 22 says, draw near with all of your heart, fully trusting in God every single minute of every day. It's, almost, it, it's, it's, it's countercultural for so many of us because what, what, what God wants is he wants dependency on Jesus, fully reliant on Jesus, surrendered to Jesus. I mean, do you ever wonder sometimes, I know I have many times, but do you ever wonder sometimes why God makes us wait on things when it is totally within his power to make things happen right now. Have you, you ever thought, God, you, all things are possible. You could do this right now, but you're making me wait and I don't like it, okay? What's going on here? Sometimes, here, here's the deal. Sometimes he says, you know, the time is not right because here's, I, don't, I know things you don't know and I'm protecting you. Okay, because, because I love you. you. You don't see what's going on. So, so waiting is good. I'm protecting you. Or God's saying, I'm preparing you for greater things than what you, than what you can currently see. I'm not giving you this right now because I've actually got, I have greater things ahead. But here, other times, it's because he's saying, you know what? I want you totally dependent on me. I want your heart. I want your trust. I want, I want to break you of this self-reliant, self-sufficient mentality you have because I have greater for you. So I'm going to make you wait until I got your whole heart. I want closeness with you. I want intimacy with you. I want you to, de- to, to depend on me because I'm tired of watching you just stumble around and fall and drift and just leave when you don't get your way. He says, I've got greater And so he says, just draw in, come close, lean in. He's inviting us to be intimate with him. That's that's amazing. Now, I need need to say this because this is also a normal myth that we we have picked up along the way. And I'm going to call this the bonus myth, okay? So you, you get a freebie today. And it's in this verse. Somehow we've allowed ourselves as well to think, to believe that we can be intimate and close with God walking with him and still knowingly choose to live in sin. That's not going to happen. That's a myth. Our sin is offensive to God on every level which, which you can imagine. Isaiah chapter 59 verse 2 tells us that God is so holy that he can't even look at sin. It, it can't, it can't stump, and not even for a moment. So here's the thing. If we're going to have intimacy with God, the kind of intimacy that he desires, then we have to do what God is commanding us to do in verse 22. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to wash us clean, making us pure in thought, pure in speech, pure in our actions and habits. How do we do that? Well, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, confess your sin because God is faithful. He is just to forgive us of our sins. And then here's what it says. He will cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. This is the greater that Jesus offers for us today. 
Because of Jesus, we're invited to draw near to God, full of belief, full of faith. We, we come confident that God will be faithful. We, we, we come knowing that he can be trusted. We come to him with our weaknesses and our inadequacies, with our pains, with our hurts, and we just empty ourselves in full assurance that he will be strong and he will be adequate when we just can't, knowing that he alone is our strength. We can bring our greatest hurts, our greatest wounds, our greatest fears to him because he can be trusted to be a loving, caring, compassionate father. And, and with him, all things are possible. So let us draw near, let us draw near. Here's the second thing he says, let us hold fast, verse 23. The writer's not, not, not telling these believers to hold on to their salvation because the Holy Spirit's the one that seals that. The salvation's secure here. He's telling them to hold on to their hope. Hold on to the hope you believe in without wavering. Now, hope is one of the central themes in the book of Hebrews. We see it over and over again. Well, what is hope? Well, if you look at Webster's Dictionary, here's here's what hope is. Hope is a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. We expect or we desire for something to happen. But here's a very normal problem with hope. Way too often we put our hope in the wrong things. You say, how does that happen? Well, it goes back to the myth that we can kind of compartmentalize Jesus. We can compartmentalize our faith in him. Like Jesus is part of my life. He's not all of my life. He's just, he's just a part of my life. He's a piece of my life. He's, 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 you know, he's just over here, but I got these other things going on too. Well, if that's the case, then it will be normal for us to put our hope in the other things that also take up compartments in our lives that will compete with Jesus. Now, let me tell you what I mean by that. It's normal for a person to make their job or their career, what they do, a huge compartment of their life. It becomes a place where they find their identity. It becomes a place where they put their hope for the future. They, they, they try to find happiness and peace and joy and security in, in, in what they do. And then one day, out of nowhere sometimes, the economy takes a hit and they, they lose their job and what happens? All hope is lost. Or, or, or it's normal to, to make a relationship a, a gigantic compartment of our lives. And, and so what happens is that person puts their, their hope in that relationship and they, they, they hang everything on it for their happiness, their peace, their joy, their security. And then one day, things get rocky. The unexpected happens and someone walks out and the relationship is over. What happens? All hope is lost. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, hold tightly without wavering to the hope you affirm. In other words, if you have professed that Jesus is the Savior and the Son of God and that he died for sins and he was buried and he rose again conquering sin and death, then you have placed your hope in him. He's not just a compartment of your life. He is all. He is not just a piece of the pie. He is the pie. Okay? So many people today, including these first century believers who profess to follow Jesus, were desperately looking to the wrong things to find hope and they were in danger of drifting away. That's why the writer of Hebrews is just pleading with them at this moment, saying, put your hope in Jesus. Hope in Jesus, what is that? It is a strong, confident expectation in his future faithfulness and his presence. 
Hope is found in a person, not in things, not in people. Hope is found in Jesus Christ alone, period. He is hope. He is our hope. And he, according to Hebrews 6, 19, this hope, this hope, Jesus is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. And I love, I love what verse 23 keeps going. It says, because this hope comes with a promise. The writer says, God can be trusted to keep his promise. He is faithful. What is he promising? Well, the, the, the Bible's full of promises for, for his children. He promises to be with us. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. He promises to give us his spirit to, to not only live inside of us, but to fill us, to give us power every day. He promises to give us strength to stand firm when we're dealing with temptation. He promises to, to give you a hope and a future. He promises to work all things out for the good of those who what, love him according to his purposes. He promises contentment in the midst of suffering. The Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That doesn't mean that you can walk out here and go run five miles when you haven't run in 20 years. It means you have strength to handle suffering when it comes to you. And listen, I could go on and on and on about the promises of God, but he says, let us hold fast to our hope. Our hope is Jesus without wavering. So draw near, hold fast, but then kind of gets fun now. He says, let's stir it up. Verse 24, let me read it again. He says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Now, here's what the writer says. He says, we need to consider how we can get so involved in each other's lives that we prod one another and encourage one another to grow spiritually. He's telling these believers that if they're going to make it without without drifting away, they need to be connected to one another. They, they, They have to do life together. In other words, Lone Ranger Christianity, that may be the norm for some people, but it's a far cry from greater. And verse 24 is saying, if you want to remain faithful and if you want to avoid falling away, drifting away, then you you need to consider, in other words, give careful thought to and strategize and plan how to be so connected to each other relationally that we're constantly encouraging each other in love and good works. And he uses these words to stir up, to, to stir up one another. You could literally interpret this to read, let us consider how to irritate one another on. Some of you are like, man, I I got that all day long. (laughs) But what this says is let us irritate one another to figure out how to prod one another on to do, to love and and, and to do good works. In other words, if you're going to avoid drifting away from Jesus, then you need to be deeply connected into an environment where other believers are stirring you up stimulating you, irritating you on in the Christian faith, and you need to be doing the same for other people. Now I want to ask you a question. Are you part of an environment like this? Who, who's, who, who's doing that right now in your life? Is, is there a group of people that you are strategically meeting with that cares about you, knows about you, meeting your deepest, helping you, uh, knows about your deepest needs, loves you and challenges you in your faith journey. Who, who, who is in your life right now that is encouraging you in your marriage? Who's in your life right now? Who, who's, who's stirring things up in your life about, about your faith? Who, who, who's in your life right now that's just irritating you in a very loving way to stay away from sin, to avoid sin? Is there, are there a group of people, whether it's a small group, a ministry team, a Bible study, a support group on Thursday night, a men's study, a women's study, uh, a re-engaged study on Monday nights, I mean, that, that cares for you, knows your deepest needs and loves you and challenges you on in your faith journey? 
Or have you believed the myth that, that, that your walk with Jesus is your walk, your religion is your religion, it's just between me and God, no one else? See, that, that's normal thinking. And normal leads to drifting. Normal leads to falling away. Normal leads to leaving the faith. And I want you to know God has greater. He has greater for every single one of you than normal. But you need to know that greater equals community. Greater involves being in community. The Christian life is, being, is, is about being connected into community. What is community? Well, years ago, years ago, we came up with the definition of, of community. And it may have been, like I said, Paul, you may have been the, the small groups guy at the time. I have no idea. It's back when we were either doing home teams, journey groups, small groups, groups. I don't know what we're calling them. You're, you're in community, okay? Community is a place where people belong, where they're welcomed, cared for, and accepted, and both challenged and encouraged. I like that definition. Paul, I'm just going to give you credit for it, okay? You get it, all right? It's a place where people belong, where they're welcome, where they're cared for, accepted, and both challenged and encouraged. Now, I've been here for over 21 years. If I were to bring all the people in here that have drifted away from Westridge or have they're, they're no longer in church just over the past 21 plus years and just ask them and say, hey, you're up here, everybody's watching. Uh, they're even watching all over the world. What, what happened to you? What happened to you? I mean, things seem to be going so well, and, but then you just drifted away. And it, here's what I might hear. Here's what we might hear. Well, Brian, man, I, I stopped coming to church and then my heart just got cold towards God. And I want you to know, I might throw something back and challenge them this way. And, to, and I may say, listen, the reason that your heart got cold towards God and you drifted away was not because of a lack of church attendance, but was because of a lack of community. Because there are people all over the world right now who go to church every single Sunday, don't miss a Sunday, that have a cold heart towards God. That's why churches all over the place have revivals. What are revivals? Revival, we're trying to revive Christians, get them excited about the faith again. Here's how the normal drift away from God. Here's how this normal drift away from God, here's how it happens. One day, we we make a commitment, or someone invites us, I'm I'm going to church. Someone invites you to come to church with you, you know. And and you you come or you find a new church, and man, it's new and it's exciting and we we, we love it. And we either make a salvation decision in that church or we, we come already saved. And for a while, we don't miss a Sunday because we love it. And and then Little League starts up. Travel ball, okay? Travel band, travel soccer, travel flutes, travel woodwind, travel. I mean, we're traveling for everything nowadays, right? We just travel, travel, travel. It, it, can I just tell you, it's a, lot, it's a lot about money. I don't know if you all know that or not, okay? And I'm just going to tell you this because I've been in it myself. Most of your kids aren't going to play Major League Baseball. I just want to let you down just so you know. All right, so don't, don't, go, don't go sell the farm for it. Or a job takes you away a few Sundays here or there. You don't like the current series that the church is in, so you stay home. You miss here, you miss there. I'll catch it on TV, whatever. In all of that, whatever, whatever, you just never get connected to a group of people who comes alongside of you and encourages you in your faith and helps you to grow or challenges you in your walk with Christ or irritates you to stay away from sin. And so you drift. You drift away. Maybe you come one out of four weeks, which is now normal for American Christian churches. 
And there's just a slow drift, a falling away, a quiet exit, not from church attendance, but, but, but from something much more important. There's a drift away from intimacy with Jesus, just leaning, relying on God, connected to other believers. And here's what we need to understand this morning. Listen, it is far more difficult to drift out of community than it is to drift out of church attendance. It's, it is far more difficult to drift out of community than it is out of church attendance. If you want to get beyond normal and truly experience the greater that God has for you, which means growing in, in, in deeper as a disciple of Jesus, not for just a short time, but for two years, for five years, for ten years to where it just becomes part of your life, growing in love, growing in grace, growing in faith, I mean, all of those things, then get into an environment on a regular basis with other believers who will love on you, care for you, challenge you in your walk with Christ, and even irritate you to grow in spiritual faith. So let us draw near, let us hold fast, let us stir up. Remember, these are commands. And then he says, let us not neglect, verse 25. Now I want to read this in the New Living Translation. And, and, And he says, and... Let us not neglect our meetings together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now, that the day of his return is drawing near. All right? Think about that for a moment. I'm just going to get a drink of water here. Thank you, Dasani. Now, for a, mo- for a minute, it's going to sound like I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth. But let me say that there's, very, there's something very powerful that happens when we gather together on Sunday mornings as a body. Corporate worship is just an important part of the Christian faith. And I mean, so much happens in here. I mean, we come in here, we get to celebrate with other people, we get lifted up, we get encouraged. I mean, the corporate worship, and we were just singing Death Was Arrested. I mean, you could just feel the energy in this place. I mean, it was like we were ready just to take on the world. I mean, we give, we get a chance to see what's happening together. We get a chance to do all of the one another's in the Bible. I mean, there's so many great things that happen in here. And so, you know, in a few weeks, we're getting ready to celebrate Christmas. We do big Christmas Eve things, six services. I want you to be thinking right now, who can I invite to Christmas Eve, one of the Christmas Eve services? Who, who's a family that's not in a church right now, all right, that, that I can bring to one of the Christmas Eve services and start asking them right now, okay? Because it's going to be powerful, I, I promise you that. Now, like me, many of you have heard the verse that I just read as a verse to get people to come to church, almost like as a guilt thing. And, I, and it's read like this. Do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And as a result, what's happened is we bought into this myth that says that the number one priority of the Christian life is to be in church on Sunday morning. And we'll even say th- this about someone who, who is far from God. Man, if I could just get them back to church. If I could just get them to come with me on Sunday mornings, everything would change. Don't, don't miss this, Okay. Because I love Sunday mornings. I, I spend most of my work week preparing for it. So I love it. There's a modern day challenge with verse 25. Okay? We equate Sunday morning church attendance in America when we read this verse. I mean, what else would we equate it to? I mean, if thinking about it, what, what else would we have to compare it to? But I want to challenge, think about the situation that these early believers were in. This is about context here. 
They were being persecuted and tortured for their faith. Many of them were in hiding because they were losing, they, were, they, they, they could have lost their lives. They were not waking up on Sunday morning, getting the kids up, jumping in the car, and driving to the First United Fellowship Church of the Hebrews. No, that's not what was going on here. They were meeting somewhere at some point in the week, probably more than once, and probably in circles rather than rows. And they were experiencing community in the midst of extreme difficulty. And so the writer is saying, don't stop meeting together. Even when someone is in your case, prodding you on to go further in your relationship with Jesus. Don't walk away from the group when the heat is on. Don't leave community because you need people in your life that are close to you right now. More than ever, things are getting tough out there. You need people who will pray with you, people that will ask you the tough questions, people that will care for you, people that will love you, people that will celebrate life with you. And I want to ask you the question. Do you have that in your life right now? As a follower of Jesus. Now you might be thinking, listen, I... Why do I need that, Brian? I, I love my Sunday mornings when I come. I love my Sunday, I love my Sunday mornings too. I really do. I, I love being here with you. But I see so many people that are happy. They seem, they, they're just happy with just the coming and going. They're content to stare at the back of heads rather than to look into faces. They don't want people in their business. But they're settling for normal when they could be experiencing greater. Now, like I said, all these phrases begin with let us. And let us, when we see that, let us are commands. So if you're a follower of Jesus, we, we, we have to obey the commands because God has greater for us. But, so, but let me just say this. What happens when we neglect commands? What happens, especially right here? Well, you miss out on intimacy with, with, that God wants to have with you. You put your hope in things that really can't deliver hope, things that... that can't deliver what you expect or desire you especially in a church this size you you can come here and feel like you just don't belong because you don't know anybody You, you you never get cared for properly but the most important thing is you begin to drift and I've been watching it happen for years and some of you today or if you're watching or if you're in here Maybe you've been in church all your life, in and out, but, but, but you're, you're a church goer, but you're, but you're drifting, okay? Some of you have drifted from this church to that church to this church to that church. I mean, you're, maybe you're on your, your 10th church. Can I, I'm, listen, can I tell you something? Stay planted. You know, I mean, we know when you're drifting. I'm friends with all these pastors in the community. We get together. What do we talk about? We talk about you. We do it. We just do. Hey, so-and-so showed up. Some of you today, you may be drifting in and out of sleep, okay? I'm doing the best I can up here, promise, okay? Regardless, in the midst of your drifting, maybe you have thought, man, there's just got to be more to this than this boring, drab, normal that I'm experiencing. Man, if this is a small picture of what heaven is going to be like, I'm not sure that, I, that, I, that I'm really going to like it. Church attendance is a starting point, but the Bible says get beyond the norm and go for greater. Pursue relational intimacy. Get into a group where others are encouraging you and prodding you, irritating you to walk closer with Jesus. Can I tell you something? 
I've been praying for something for over, tw- for over 21 years now. My, my staff who've been with me all this time, they will tell you, early on I wrote down the number 80%. I'm just trying to be realistic. I have been praying for 21 plus years that 80% of our adults would be in a group. And this past week, I found out we're at 79.5%. Now, I don't know how math works in your house, but I round up, we're at 80%. Okay? And after this message, we're going to be at 90. I mean, I'm just telling you. So, and if you want to include all of our students and children who... If they're part of Wednesday night or Sunday, they're all in a group, then we're well beyond 80%. What, what's going on here? We're growing deeper as a body. Growing deeper. And so if you're not in a group connected relationally, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, de- de- to decide today that in 2019, moving forward, that you are going to make a move towards community. What is community? Community is a place where people belong, where they're welcome, where they're cared for and accepted and both challenged and encouraged. Now, let me leave you with this great thought. One of my favorite authors, uh, speakers, is, is a guy named Tim Elmore. Uh, he does, writes a lot of great things on parenting. And, and, I, and I was listening to a podcast that my buddy, Mike Lynch, who's the pastor at North Star Church, uh, he does every Monday called Lynch with a Leader. And he was interviewing Tim Elmore. And Tim Elmore said, listen, as you begin to go out of anything, especially like going out of a year into a new year, so in this case, it would be going out of 2018 into 2019. He says, you always need to ask yourself three questions when you evaluate where you're coming from and where you're going to. He says, here's the three questions. What needs a facelift? What needs an overhaul? And what needs a funeral? Okay. What needs a facelift? Don't think about your, what's going on here. What needs a facelift in your life? What needs an overhaul? What needs a funeral? As you move out of 2018 and you move into 2019, I want to challenge you to give normal a funeral. Put it to death and embrace greater. God has greater for you. What does that mean? Let us draw near. Let's, let us, let, enough of the self-reliant, self-sufficient Christianity. Let's be dependent on Jesus full on. Let, let us hold fast. Let's stop compartmentalizing Jesus. He's not a piece of the pie. He is the pie. Let's make him be. Let, let's, let's go. It's all about you. Everything's going to flow out of this relationship. Let us stir up. Okay? And let us not neglect. Let, let's get into community where somebody's stirring us up, prodding, prodding us on, irritating us in love, in our marriages, in our families, in our singleness, whatever, whatever stage of life you're in. Go, I'm not going to leave when the heat's on because I need this. Because once I get into community, then I'm leaving normal behind and I'm embracing greater. So let's put normal to death in 2019 and let's embrace greater. Bow your head for a moment if you would. If you're here today and you've never receive the greatest gift of all, salvation, Jesus Christ, going to a cross to pay for your sins, going to a borrowed tomb, raising up from the dead three days later to conquer sin and death and offering you new life, then today's your day. 
you're not going to make it without him. Not through this life, not into the next life. So if, if you need to pray with me right now to receive salvation, a gift that God offers to you as an act of grace, something you don't deserve, but you receive it by faith, I want you to pray with me. Just say, Lord, at this very moment, I just give up. And I put all my faith and my trust in Jesus Christ alone to be my savior. I don't want normal anymore. It's the greatest gift anybody's ever offered. I want it. It's free. I can't earn it. So, Lord, I'm sorry for every bit of sinfulness in my life, every sin. I confess it. I'm, I'm done. I, I need Jesus. So right now, put all my faith, all my trust in Jesus Christ alone, not in myself, not in my works. I can't do it. I can't earn it. And I receive Jesus as my Savior. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Every head's still bowed. If you just prayed that with me, look, at, look up here for just a moment. Look at the screen. I want you to get out your phone, tablet, whatever you got. Text follow to the word 77453. Because we want to help you get connected. We want to help you to take your next step, next step as a follower of Jesus. Or fill out your get connected card, take it to the help center out in the atrium. The most important decision you'll ever make in your life. And we want to help you to, okay, what do I do now? We want to help you to figure that one out. Give you some next steps. Lord, for the rest of us, we declare as a church, normal is dead. We want to embrace the great things that you have for us. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.